0: My special guest today is an award-winning actor who, for a decade, played one of the most popular characters in the Bill's rich history. Today he's making magic in Australia and is currently starring on a big-screen comedy hit for Universal Pictures. Ladies and gents, the moment has arrived. Make some noise for the mighty Hugh Higginson. Hugh, welcome to the Bill podcast.
1: Thank you so much. That's very kind of <laughs> you. Thanks for, thanks for plugging the movie.
0: <laughs> oh, it's, it's fantastic. because it's top-end wedding. It's charming critics and audiences and doing really well at the box office. So that must be
1: lovely to be part of such a hit. Yeah, no, we, we were really, really thrilled. And um, it, was, it was one of those jobs a bit like working on the Bill, if you like, that... You, you know, you get, you get to the end of your career, whatever point that is, and you can't look back at your favourites. And of course, the Bill would be one of them, but this film is, as well would, be, would also be one of them. It was absolutely extraordinary, um, script and a great fun to do. And met some wonderful people, including Gwilym Lee, who's just had huge success with Bohemian Rhapsody. He was playing my son. So, yeah, we, we, had, a, we had a great time on it. But so, yes, but thank you. We've just gone through a good box office number just this weekend, so we're really, really happy.
0: And do you know when when you're making a film, do you have a sense that you've got something good on your hands, or is it a really nice surprise when it does this well?
1: Well, I think I think this one was was close to everybody's heart who worked on it. We shot it in thirty days, which is pretty quick. Wow. Yeah, but we we went up to we shot a lot of it in Darwin and the Northern Territory, and then we went to a place called the Tiwi Islands, which is just north of Darwin, which has their an Indigenous community there, and We were a big part of the film. So, yeah, it, it it was one of those that, you you, you know, it, it had a lot of love in it. And I, and I think that shows in the film and hopefully you guys will be able to see it in the UK in the not too distant future. I, I can't give you a date on that as yet, but I know the wheels are in motion.
0: Yeah. Uh, as we record this, it's about to play at the Edinburgh Film Festival. So that's right. That's
1: always a good start. <laughs> that, that, is, that, that is a good start. Um so you've really, really made up about that, and I think it's getting a few limited showings in London. And what will come out of that, hopefully, will be a broader release. So um, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I love the trailer
0: when it when you're presented not just for your future son-in-law but the Yorkshire <laughs> Terrier.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's very funny. I mean, it, it, it's it's great because it sort of works on both two levels. I think it, you know, it has that tag rom-com, and I think for a while that's what the film is. And I think the last 30 minutes, 40 minutes, it turns into something completely different, which is a, a journey of family and, and reconciliation between mothers and daughters and, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, it's got a really lovely heart to it.
0: The Bill is such a loyal fan base in Australia. When did you first become aware of that? And did that have any influence on you eventually moving out there to live? To be quite honest with you, it did.
1: As Garfield left the Bill, the storyline was that Garthold was going to be the first Bill wedding and I'd been thinking about you know whether to stay or go for quite a while and I'd actually just signed a three year deal and it was one of those moments I woke up and three months after signing the deal I just thought you know what I can't, this is ten years now and I'm not a real policeman and so I've got a... I'm have got. an actor actually so I want to go and play some sort of things and I went to the executive producer Richard Hanford at the time and just said uh, look Richard I think I've done my time it's been ten years now and and he said, well, you can't leave, you can't leave. You know, you're going to be the first Bill Wedding. And I thought, oh, well, maybe that's why I should leave, because maybe the show's starting to change slightly. Anyway, yada, yada. At the end of, the, at the end of that sequence of episodes, when Quinnan ends up marrying Garfield's, you know, love, <laughs> Garfield, Garfield then decided to go travelling around the world with Loxton, Tom Butcher. And in fact, that is exactly what we did, because Tom, myself, Mark Wingett, and Russell Bolter took a play which we'd done on the fringe while we were all on the bill to australia via um, a contact who has now become a very very dear friend of mine a producer in australia and we organized it through i don't know 400 emails from me 400 emails from her and we took the we took the show with the play over to perth we played perth melbourne canberra and the sydney opera house wow yeah yeah it was extraordinary And, and i sort of just fell in love with the country and I kind of thought, I I could do this, you know. So I applied for residency and got it really quickly. It was a lot easier in those days. I, I always make a joke of this, and it is a joke, really, because um, the, the, they said, well, the normal process is quite quick, but there is a way of getting you in quickly. And I said, well, well, how's that? And they said, it's normally reserved for sort of athletes and things like that. I said, oh, yeah. I said, what is it? And they said, we're going to bring you in on the subclothes of distinguished talent. I nearly fell off my chair. Oh. <laughs> there it is. So I still I still dine out on that one occasion. Ooh, no, yeah. I the <laughs> <laughs> but loved it and came back and worked here a bit and then went back to the UK and but always kept the residency going. Then my personal ch- circumstances changed and there was an opportunity to go out and just give it a go. And myself and my partner Hannah and our son Jack have been here now for six and a half years, six years, six years, I think. And I've loved it. I mean, it's just, we have a, we have a great life here and we, we love it. And the work's been very, very kind to us. In fact, Hannah at the moment is in um, uh, Harry Potter in, in Melbourne, of the two plays. So we've, we've moved to Melbourne for 18 months. Um, and prior to that, we were in Sydney. But yeah, but yeah it's, it's been great. It's been really, really good. It must have been a,
0: still all the same, a massive decision in your life to move all of yeah. you together. Yeah, it was. I'm so pleased it's paid off because you're both. I mean, my my wife this morning she was like, "I'm so pleased you're talking to them. Send them my best because she she admires both of you." As do I, oh, of course. Very kind, but very kind. it's 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 not often Tess actually makes a point of <laughs> you know saying, "Oh wow," you know.
1: I mean, it, it, you know, it, it has worked out. Then I mean, we we literally did turn up with three suitcases and a two year old, and wow. the house the house that we were staying in initially. All the furniture was removed within the first week, so we had a box, and on the top of that box, we had a little television. We had a couple of pots and pans, and that was it. That was it, and we wow. kind of thought, "Is this going to work?" You know, and slowly but surely, it has. And you know, as I say, the work's been very kind to, to us both now. And you know, Hannah's on Harry Potter; she will have been on it for eighteen months. Come, come next February, March, which is when her contract is up. But yeah, it's been amazing. And you both are starting a play together of a kitchen sink we we yeah i mean in fact we we didn't and we did another play called "Love Letters," when early on in our time here, which we toured with, and then we did this this beautiful play called "The Kitchen Sink by Tom Wells, and I'd actually done the play in Hull, it was the second ever production of it, and Hull is the playwright's hometown, and I love the play, and they came to us with it, and I was like, "Oh, this would be amazing and and you know, there's a sign of good writing as well. The audience audiences got it and they, they laughed a lot and they cried and they, you know, cried a lot as well, which is what the play should should give you, I think. So yeah, we've worked together a, a, a fair bit now and um it's it's good, you know, we, we we enjoy it. We you know, there's a there's a sort of a shorthand when you work together, you know, because you know each other so well. So it kind of um yeah helps a great deal. A great deal. Yeah.
0: And you've had such a fantastic array of characters since you've moved out there. Yeah, like right, you've you've played a
1: serial killer in a Mandarin drama series. Is oh, that, that that was that was just the most bizarre, bizarre. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, I mean, it was actually quite a lot of fun. But um, they they brought over some apparently I wouldn't know, but very well-known Chinese actors to do this this series. And um, Tony Tills, the director Before, it worked with before, is lovely. And I just said. You just have to realise that their English is going to be limited. And the scripts were printed in two languages, English and Mandarin. And I had to do, like, full-on fights with chainsaws and shotguns. we're well, obviously not real, but, but the chainsaw was real, actually. And uh, this, this young Chinese actor was very committed. And uh, I kept saying to him, you've got to slow down, because otherwise it's just not going to be... Of course, he didn't understand me. And he gave me quite a beating in the back of a truck, really, to be honest with you, but... <laughs> We, Hannah and I, we, we sat and I thought, oh, we should watch it. And we absolutely loved it. We binge watched it. It was terrific. I mean, it was slightly camp, but it was, but it was, it was wonderful. So, yeah, that was one of the many um, opportunities that, that I've been given over here. And, and it has helped being on the bill, to be quite honest, because it's still held here in very high regard. And in fact, they were running episodes on the ABC not that long ago. And of course it's a bit of a worry when you kind of walk in and <laughs> there was one day in particular, this is a, a there's a few years ago now, and I was walking back Jack back from, from preschool, from nursery. And we came in, I said, um, I popped the telly on, I said, Who, who's that? And there was, I was about 24. I had hair, <laughs> less tins, less, less red complexion. And, um, he looked at me and he said, That's daddy. I said, Yeah, do you want to watch it? He said, No, I'd rather watch Play School. Thank you very much. Oh. And it always, always brings <laughs> brings you down to um, to Earth with a bum. But but no, joking apart, it's um it's it's very well respected over here. And it certainly in the beginning was opened a couple of doors. Although that mm. had, that had been said, having not been here for such a while to work properly and to live, the main thing was doing theatre and actually kind of going. I'm an actor and I can play range and hopefully and you know. It's been great. I've just finished a, a series now and she goes out on the ABC later on this year and there's a couple of other irons in the fire. So yeah, you know, it's it's good. Really oh, good. I love it. Well you deserve it. You're a wonderful actor. Well you really like, are. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> that's very kind of you. I have to I have to say that you know, I I do miss seeing the the boys and the girls. Um we, we went over to the UK a couple of new years ago and stayed with family and stuff. And we had a couple of hookups with a few, with those who, who could make it. And it was really lovely to see them. And it, I think, you know, these days we're lucky with Facebook and with, you know, the, those kind of things that we're able to keep in touch with, with mates from the show and stuff. But it was lovely to see everybody in the flesh and, you know, talk old times <laughs> as you yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go back. When, when did you first get the acting bug? So my, my dad is an actor. Yeah. My mum was an actress, and then became an agent. And uh, my stepfather is a producer. So I, I, my, my earliest, earliest memories of Stratford upon Avon, when my dad was at the Royal Shakespeare Company, and walking around all the armoury and stuff like that, and you know, you just love it. And I grew up with with actors, which is sometimes a good thing, sometimes not a good thing. But I loved it, and I actually did some work when I was younger. So between the ages of eleven and fourteen, I, I did some television work and some theatre work. And my folks stopped me from doing it and said, "Get your education first. Do your A levels. After that, do what you want." But I was always, keen, always keen to do it. Always keen to do it. So it's, it's sort of in the blood, if you like. You know, it's, it's been. Mm. I, I can, I can still smell Stratford in the, in the late sixties. You know, the armory and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah. So it's been there forever. Who are your influences in terms of acting? Who
0: are your heroes? Who did you watch and think, "God." I'd love to be like them or I'd love to do what they're
1: doing. That's a good question because I don't, I wouldn't have a, I mean, I was always a great fan of Ian Holm and John Hurt, those two English actors. But I was kind of like, because I am because I was brought up in a theatrical family, there were no real heroes. They were just people that I met and they were normal, like people I grew up with. You know, I mean, some people would call them famous either in the theatre or, or film or television or whatever. But I think the, the, I got a lot from my dad I think about discipline about always being on time always knowing what you're doing always knowing your lines and always being good to people you know and that's that's not that's not that the old adage about be kind on the way up because you don't know who you're going to meet on the way down it's more to always be open and always be committed to what you're doing and time keep properly and prepare properly and so so it's that kind of ethos I probably got from him the old man you know it's probably, I think, I think it's to me a good step So I sort of pride myself on being prepared.
0: And and how on your radar was for Bill? Had you seen any of the the, the early series?
1: Yeah, I had. I had a friend of mine who was um, a year above me at Lambda when I trained, an actor called Mark Powley. Oh, lovely, lovely. Mark PC Pal- Melvin, you. right? Yeah, yeah, lovely Mark Powley, exactly. So I knew. You know, I wasn't like great mates of his, but I knew Mark and, you know, I'd seen stuff that he was doing on the show and stuff prior to myself doing it. And so, yes, I, it was definitely on the radar, but there, there were also people that I knew through my mum and my dad, I guess, as well. The producers no no longer with us, a lady called Pat Sands, who was, mm. did an awful lot of really good drama up at Yorkshire prior to becoming a producer on the bill. All of those connections, and... You know, when I started, there were, th- I think, three characters left, and they brought in three new coppers, Monk Hedigan and Chris Humphreys and myself. And I think Monk Hedigan and Chris left fairly soon afterwards. Yeah. And I stayed for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, yeah. uh, man and boy,
0: man and boy. Yeah, Chris who's now doing amazing his novels and and stuff. Yeah, acting, he's really but, writing, that's right. Yeah, he he remembered very fondly. Did you share a flat
1: together? Is that? Yeah, I put him up. I had a flat in in, in Teddington not far from the studios and um, I had a spare room so he he kicked around at mine for I don't know. maybe as, as long as a year but his girlfriend at the time is um a PA on the show called Janet Argle, who's a friend of mine still. She lives oh. in Sydney now and works at the ABC. So, wow. you know, <laughs> an extended family. We Yeah, we had dinner together not that long ago. So, yeah. I love it. Happy day. It's interesting
0: mentioning Mark Powley because when, when I interviewed Mark and I asked him about Ken Melvin, he said, well, I, I liked Ken. I, I wouldn't have minded being trapped in a lift with him. Yeah. If I had to be trapped in a lift with a character from a bill it would be George Garfield, you know. Oh, he... <laughs> <laughs> what, what what did you enjoy about playing him? And it seems his character was from a, a viewer very well defined from the beginning. You know, the George Garfield at the end is the same guy we
1: saw at the beginning. So
0: what appealed yeah. to you about playing him? Well, I had, a, I had a
1: sort of a little bit of a template, you know, I wanted him to be solid and dependable, but also in t- under times of pressure, slightly reactionary. So he's normally one of the guys that you can count on, but if things got a bit hot, he could lose his temper a little bit. And, you know, he, he had that thing about being a, a good standard boxer, uh, you know, when the characters came in, and there were some, some boxing episodes there. But I did kind of think to myself, and this is no insult to him or to any policeman out there <laughs> but, but my my opening strategy was to go in and say i'm just going to drop his iq a little bit so he's, he's he's very solid he's very dependable but he's he's not the brightest he's not stupid mm. but he, he 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 worked more on instinct than he did on intellect do, do, do you know what i mean yeah 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 and, and yeah, i, yeah. And, I, and, I and, and i think in that way he was sort of more of an old school copper it was great fun playing them and you know i mean and after a while as well it just becomes sort of second nature you put the uniform on and there you are and you're with the people that you work with day in day out and you know we worked really really hard when we were all there especially you know towards the end there were some long long um, hours on that but we worked hard and we play hard you know we we were all very good mates at the time so yeah
0: and did they give you any sort of opportunity to go out with the real police early on to g- give you some training? Or
1: yeah, I I I went out with a um a, a night shift in Kilburn, um and we did actually come across a guy with a carving knife through his body over railings. Yeah, wow. so that, yeah, so that was that was just that was in fact before I had actually started. Um, wow. And I went out with the air, yeah I went out with the area kind of stuff, but but also I had mates of mine. Um, but still, he's not a policeman anymore, he's now a publican actually, but he he was in the police force um, around the time I was doing the show, he's a really good friend of mine. In fact, he was in child protection, which, you know, I mean, what he had to do was, I mean, beyond the realm, but he was he, he had been a, a beat copper. So I kind of picked up a lot from Mark, you know, this, this um, mate of mine who's in the job. And I think, because, because the show was so close to the, the actual force, you know, we had the police advisors there making sure that it was accurate and always authentic. We came into contact with a lot of police people. We did a lot of police charity work, in inverted commas. And and it's very... And what you kind of do when you're surrounded by people who, who are in a specific job is that you, you you notice things about the way that they behave and the way that they act. And even on a social basis, they they act quite procedurally. Right. And so I, I was always thinking that, always have a procedure in the back of your mind when you're playing scenes.
0: I enjoyed the early sort of sparrings you had with Sita's character, Data, because... Yeah, yeah. That was a nice pairing.
1: Yeah, yes, it was, because um, they were they were quite brittle together in a way. Do <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? It, yeah. it wasn't even, it wasn't even as, as much as they didn't like each other, it was just more that they were completely different. <laughs> yeah. And had no idea about how each other worked whatsoever <laughs> you know what I mean? um, which, which Cita and I actually enjoyed a lot because we actually got on very well and in fact I saw her a couple of years ago when we went back to the UK and of, it was lovely to see her and, and I think she's, she's got a time with the Adelaide Film Festival here as well so it may be that we'll catch up over here at some point so characters, characters were very different to, to how we were if you see what I'm saying
0: Yeah, and um, when you look at that lineup, because you all joined us around the same time, Sita, you, Tom Butcher, Andy Paul, Lisa Gagan, Tony O'Callaghan, you all stayed for, like, 10 years, yet your careers have longevity, you know? And, and, I mean, it's a really, I can say this as a fan, a really solid, awesome bunch of actors who all had such chemistry. It must have been an exciting time for you in, in your career to be surrounded with great people to spar with.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's interesting to think back at those times, and you're right, they, you know, we had a really fantastic bunch of actors. We were all very young as well, and so you didn't actually walk around kind of going, oh, what a great bunch of actors, which you would you yeah. don't do now that you're older. You know, yeah. you're going to go, oh, they're pretty you know, tasty or whatever. But yes, we did have a good bunch of actors, and we also had... You're right about the chemistry. And we all, we all stayed for a long time. And I th- really think I'm probably biased. Well, of course, I'm biased. But they, they were the golden years of the show. Oh, yeah. I think that, that yeah. period of, you know, that that sort of early into late 90s. Where you, and the reason that they were the golden years is there was a real continuity. And so, you know, pop people often say, you've been in my living room for 10 years. but So all of us over that period were like almost like members of people's families, people who really loved the show. And because we were all there together, that chemistry became natural and it became very easy to play with each other, you, you know? Yeah. And I, I just think it's, it's a shame that they had to... Ch- I mean, not long after I left, that's when the big change happened. And I think people were, you know, given five-minute slots for interviews to find out whether they were staying or going. And that was, that was tough for everybody. And I really felt for people because... You know, ratings come and ratings go, but they had such a strong and solid cast, and the way that they sort of decimated it, I think, really sort of undermined the show ultimately fatally. I think the, the later years have
0: have their fans, but they yeah. weren't they weren't around in the original. I mean, I I grew up in the nineties, you know. For, yeah, right. Bill, so, you know, so this is my this is my childhood. You know, it still yeah, means sure. so much to me um, that sure. era, and and you. You often brought out the best. I mean, the the, the two actors who were disgracefully um, axed were Ben Roberts and, and the late great Colin Tarrant, and 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 yeah. you had superb scenes with both of them. Some yeah, very yeah. funny scenes with Ben. He, yeah. he he always gave poor old Garfield quite a hard time. Yeah, he always did. He
1: like you idiot, stupid <laughs> boy. With <laughs> that attitude, and Garfield's attitude was, yes, sir. You know, yeah. it, it was yeah, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it was lovely. All that give and take, it, it, it was terrific. But you know, Ben Ben was a is a terrific actor, terrific actor. And you know, bless him, Colin. You know, we had we had some some great stuff. That the sort of mild subordination, of the the constant bollockings, and <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it was it, it was. they were able to do that on a long running basis because of the actors staying put. You know, yeah, And yeah. because of that continuity, that that those relationships were given. reality i suppose whereas if you know sometimes if you go into a series which i've been lucky enough to do here on a very regular basis you'll go in so the character i've just been playing now the prime minister's right hand man basically her chief of staff wow the idea that is that their relationship has been there for 20 years she's made prime minister he's her right hand man You've got to find that chemistry straight away. You've got to yeah. show the audience that this this is a couple, a professional couple of people, who spent most of their lives together. It's, that's not easy. Mm. When you're when we were working on the bill, because we'd been together so often, it was just like putting on a pair of gloves, you know. Yeah, it was, that, that, that's why it was a joy, really. Well, there's a, um, a, a still a a
0: classic episode. It's called Snakes and Ladders, and it's entirely set in a station. And it's when Garfield comes back. After being beaten up because Tony O'Callahan's Boyden's been in bed with someone he shouldn't have been. That's uh, right. And it's a, it's still such an awesome episode. You never leave the station. There's no guest actors at all. And it's, mm. is he gonna smack him or not? And it's still. Yeah, that's right. That's it's, right.
1: I that's a yes. solid episode. That's brilliant. Yeah, 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 No, I remember that. I remember. <laughs> no, Tony. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna to get to you. I'm going to <laughs> yeah. yeah, was that what? It, did he have a black eye? That's I can't remember. This. Yeah, yeah, you
0: came back with one, and then you, uh, then you, you gave in one at the end. You yeah, know. that's
1: right. That's right.
0: That's and you, you're annoyed because they've all been putting a bet on, and you're gradually finding out who's been betting on it. <laughs>
1: that's right. My goodness me, my goodness, that somebody brought it all back now. That's extraordinary.
0: I mean, you know, at that time in the, in. In the show, you know, the bill's getting like eighteen million viewers. It's number one in the ratings. People forget that it was beating EastEnders at that time. Your your private life must have transformed, where suddenly you're
1: a very recognisable face. How how was that to deal with? It's 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 always been okay. I always take it as a compliment. You know, Mm. I've only ever I can only count on the fingers of one hand. Times that people have been obnoxious or rude, mm. and sometimes that's because they've been drunk or they've been out and they think this. You know, the advantage of growing up in a an acting family is mm. that you, you it, it comes with a territory, kind of. Do you know, um, I mean, my my old man was was an incredibly busy and successful actor. He was never like super super famous, but I thought he would be recognised. And you just get used to it, you know. I think, I think it comes on to a different level when, you know, you're someone like Dennis, um, Hannah's yeah. Dad, <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, I mean, although here, you know, I still get recognised a, a lot. I mean, it's always complimentary. But Dennis was over doing a film recently in Adelaide when Top End Wedding was um, getting premiered there. And I saw him and he just gets it all the time, you know. But, but it's it goes with the territory. If you're successful, then... you know. I'm not saying you shouldn't be grateful for it, but it's... It's a compliment and, yeah. you know, you, you, and it's normally meant as that and it should be taken as that as well.
0: I, I imagine having Dennis Waterman as your father-in-law
1: must be quite a sort of unnerving thing when you first meet him, you know. But... Well, do you know, do you know what? I, I sort of bumped into him a few times prior to Hannah and I getting together because he's a Chelsea fan and I, I'm i a big Chelsea fan. I used to work for Chelsea. Oh. Um so I'd see him around the ground sometimes on match days, and we'd have a little nod and stuff because he knew I was an actor. I know he's an actor, but you know I don't want to get on his in his face and stuff. And then, you know, now he's sort of dad-in-law. Yeah. So it's um, but but the same, you know, you got to respect somebody who has had longevity and success in their career. You know, and that's oh
0: yeah,
1: that and not many have much more longevity and success than Dennis. So, no, you know.
0: legend. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And. and- with the fame comes up the publicity side and i remember you and andrew paul found it on youtube actually on, on this morning promoting the change in the format and it's quite interesting uh, during this interview I mean, it's 20 years ago but you explain that the show had to change because when it went to the three times a week and you and it's interesting you say that there was a point where it didn't really matter who the main character was in the storyline. It could have been any of you delivering those lines. Like The yeah. the kind of character arcs went out the window. So, I mean, you benefited because you got such a strong storyline. Did the show need to do that to survive, do you think? Uh,
1: yeah, I, 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 that's a hard one looking back now because... I think a lot of its strength was in those standalone stories, those half hour stories that were had a beginning, a middle, and then of course they weren't even half hour, they're 24 and a half minutes. Yeah. And they were great. They were but there was something there was something that perhaps was a little bit old fashioned about that format. And and how many times can you repeat this? And always from the policeman's point of view, and da da da. da. So I think in a way that they did have to change. And I think initially it worked out okay because they retained the cast and they retained the writers even more importantly, and they retained the directors. But I, but I think after a while it just became too much. It became oversaturated because we were, we, we were doing, what was it? Three, one hours a week or something crazy like that. At one point, I mean, you just kind of went, it's kind of killing the goose that laid the golden egg. It felt like towards the end of my time there, it just felt like it was, it was becoming more, but you know, look, it, I think television has just become more commercialised anyway, but it—I felt the creep of commercialization on it, which is the norm today. Look, things have to change and they have to evolve, and and hopefully, if you can do with it, make change with integrity, then you you keep the core basics of a show. And I think initially that they managed to do that, but I ultimately, I don't know if it's just the world that we live in. They—they they ultimately, slightly after my time, they, they were keen on making it a bit more American, you know, a bit more yeah. le- le- the personal lives and lots of guns and, you know, explosions. And that was never the show. The show was about character and yeah. characters and the stories behind those ordinary people, if you like. And all of a sudden it was like, you know, it became, what's, what's this? This isn't the show, really. Mm, mm. Um, but, yeah, I, I, guess, I guess it did have to change. And as I say, I think initially that change worked to a degree. But then they just wanted too much of it. And then, it, then it, automatically, the material will start to get thinner. And if the actors are kind of overworked, I, I do remember doing one sequence. I mean, they, I agreed to do it; I was asked. But I did one sequence where I actually worked twenty-four days straight, and within in those twenty-four, that's including weekends. And then within one of those twenty-four days. I worked from seven in the morning until three in the evening. Then I was back in the same morning, Whoa. Like, like at eight o'clock. So it's like three hours sleep in the car and then back. I'd agreed to do it. So they, they said you don't have to. But then you start getting actors working all weekends and stuff. People start getting tired. It st- starts to become less enjoyable. You, I, think, I think you can have too much of a good thing sometimes. And I think that's sort of what happened to, to the show, towards the end of my time there anyway.
0: They they started having a bit of fun, like taking you all out of Sun Hill. So you had the, the pantomime episode, Twanky.
1: Oh, my God. Yes. I, I for, fortunate, fortunately, I had very little to do in that episode. I was incredibly relieved to be the back of the horse, which is what I think I was. So I like, literally won the shot. And, I, was in, I, I think I was in there with Clive Wedderburn and yeah. he and I managed to get away from the. The nonsense that was going on down there—I <laughs> think they were under I mean, damn Brighton or somewhere. Yeah, but <laughs> um, we, we, we did—we did get to do other episodes. But they, um, I got—we've got to go to the races on one episode. Yeah, later on, it was nice to get out and you know because the, that studio after a while <laughs> becomes a bit <laughs> sort of um, overwhelming and uh, overwhelming in a samey sort of way. And um, but so it was nice to get out, but but also. Yeah, at the beginning it wasn't happening too often. I think partly to do with budget, but it wasn't happening yeah. too often, and so therefore the style of the show wasn't changing. You had fun paintballing as well, presumably. That, oh, that yeah, that's, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think the, um, I don't think the directors and the stage managers were too happy with <laughs> me and Andy, me and Andy and Paul firing bloody pellets in each shouting cut, cut, Gotcha gotcha you. you. know, we like bloody children in there. That was ridiculous. So it was good fun actually. Really, really good fun. You
0: and Andy have such chemistry. I mean, it's one of the highlights of the entire run of a bill is is you two. And it was an extraordinary storyline to give you, which culminated in George's exit. But yeah. you, know, where, you can't help but feel crushed for him. The poor bloke, you know, he, he goes yeah. through all that and gets let down and it's his best mate.
1: But you two play it so well in having yeah, would, fight. And... We were great mates on on that show. I mean, we were paired together so often. Andy was paired a lot with Graham, but also a lot with me. I've done a lot with Andy. And so you, you build up, as I said before, a rapport. And also, he's a big Arsenal fan. I'm a big Chelsea fan. So I'm giving it all that for 10 years. With each other. And to be quite honest with you, it hasn't stopped. I sent a tweet only the other day about um, you know, Chelsea beating Arsenal in Europe in the final. So, you know, that that sort of continues, obviously, from a distance because I'm a long way away. But um, yeah, he's he's a bloody good actor, Andy, as well. Yeah. You know, he's, he's He's, he's somebody who's always taken his work seriously in the right way. Do you know what I mean? Mm. He's not—he's not, mm. he's not um, you know. Uh, I don't know if I can use that word, but he's not a wanker. But he, he, he takes it seriously properly and makes choices about character. So he, he was—he was always good to work with because I think, although we had a lot of fun, I mean, it ridiculous fun sometimes, <laughs> um, but and, and lots of laughs. But when it came to the work, you know, that came first. You know.
0: Yeah. I mean, was it hard when when you did leave? Presumably, after ten years, you get into a routine, and and when that routine stops, was it was it a
1: period of adjustment for you? It's a tricky one that because I, I actually didn't, I coped with it okay. There was other work around for me, which was handy. But I know that a lot of people who have been on a long runner like that, finish and then feel really lost, and it and can get depressed. And I think the reason behind that is. If you take the example of doing a job for ten years in television, somebody's telling you when to get up. They're telling you when to go to work. They're telling you when you can have a late night, when you can't have a late night. They tell you what scripts to do. They, you know, your life is organised for you basically. And also, you, you know, you're, you're quite well re- remunerated after a while as well. And all of a sudden, you don't have a structure. You don't have people, or a structure telling you when to get up, when to do this, when to do that, and you realize that your self-sufficiency has diminished somewhat because it's been done for you. And I know, and I I won't name those, but I do know that, you know, some members of the the company of the bill found it very, very difficult. You know, and I'm not saying that I found it easy, but perhaps not as hard as some because there's also that thing that you're so heavily identified with one show that when you come out, people still identify you with that even, you know, years, months, years down the line. And if you're not working and you're not being successful still, that's hard, you know. I'm very fortunate that my career has continued to progress in a a really, you know, enjoyable way. That's not the same for everybody that comes out of a long runner, whether it be a soap or the bill, or, you know, it's it's tough. It is tough. But, you know, life goes on. You can't take it too seriously. You've got to find other things to do.
0: I'm interested, you know, you've obviously got, great success in Australia. If Coronation Street wanted to cast you now for a, a nice little run, would you be able to do it logistically and would, would you want to do it?
1: Um, I could probably do it logistically. Would I want to do it? Probably not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, and I'm, that's no disrespect to Coronation Street or any other show in the UK. I mean, there's some fantastic television coming out in the UK at the moment. Um, it's more, we've made a choice to live here now. So everything that we had in the UK is sold up. We have a property over here. We have a, a lifestyle over here. Our son is at school here. We have great friends here, many outside of the industry, some inside the industry also. And this is our home. We, we call Australia our home now. And so to go back would be fascinating. But I don't, I, I don't have any great urge or desire to go back. I mean, look, if somebody picked up the phone and said, would you like to come and do this? And this is the money. And you kind of go, well, okay. Yeah. You know, you, I'm, so we, you'd never say never is what I'm saying. Mm. I mean, Hannah, Hannah, Hannah had an inquiry for something the other week. And, but this is, this is, you know, this is our home. So it take quite a lot. It would have to become something really juicy to go back over. This is it for us now. Really.
0: It does seem my wife always, has always wanted to go to Australia. So maybe I, I should make some inquiries.
1: Well, you have to look, you have to look me up if you
0: do. Oh, bless you. Wow. That would be an honor. Um, you know, the, the podcast is massive in Australia. You know, yeah. there, there seems to be something genuinely warm and wonderful about the Australian people.
1: Is that, is that fair? Yes. I, I mean, they're, they're a very, very sort of open bunch and they welcome you into whatever community. So, you've been in, in Sydney for, you know, however many years, four and a half, five years actually. And a wonderfully opening and welcoming community. And it's not because we're actors or anything, it's just because our kids go to the same school. There's, a, there's an openness and a friendliness here, but then there's such a wonderful climate here as well. But look, the country's not without its issues. I have some colleagues and friends um, who are Indigenous actors and, you know, that's an ongoing issue over here. And, and as, as wonderful as this country is, it's kind of a, the elephant in the room and it, and it sometimes gets a little bit swept under the carpet. Am I? That one of the joys of doing Top End Wedding in the film was that it was a predominantly... Um, indigenous cast and and crew and there are some fantastic filmmakers um from the first people here who are just now getting their voice and it's and that's really really important and certainly in a fair amount of the work that i've done i'm always sort of really proud to help further that that cause and that debate because and i don't want to get all political but it's um Australia is a wonderful place, but it still has its issues, you know, like 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 everywhere is, like, like the UK has Brexit, you know, it's, it's, but by and large, the people that we've come across, I, I can't think of anybody that I've kind of gone, oh, they're a bit, they've just been so welcoming and kind, and you'd, you'd sometimes kind of think, oh, maybe there have be an attitude of here come these bloody actors from England taking our jobs, and it's not been like that at all, and to be quite honest with you, a lot of the characters I play are English, I've played some Australian, but there's no jealousy. There's not, or not that I've witnessed any um, stuff about you know English actors coming over. So yeah, look, in, in general, it's just a, and it's also just such a beautiful, beautiful country. You I mean the beaches and the the wildlife and the the outback and I can go on for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. And the size of it is, a, is enormous. I I, my, I did a lot, my final day shooting on this new C um, series called Black Bitch. and you know it's an indigenous title there. So. <laughs> But this gives you an idea of the size of the country that I left our house in Melbourne at half past six in the morning. I got a flight to Brisbane. Then I got a flight to a place called Longreach. Then we got in the car. We drove for two hours to a place called Winton. In the two hours that we drove, there were no man-made structures at all. All we saw were kangaroos and emus. Whoa. So having left at half past six in the morning, I arrived in Winton at half past five in the afternoon. So that's an 11-hour journey to get halfway across the country wow so i mean it, it, it's just, so it just gives you a different perspective of what this is here that's there's something about this vastness and its emptiness and its natural beauty that is has always taken my breath away and then of course you've got cities like sydney with the opera house and the bridge and we, we live just across the way from the bridge and it you know it's that that's just breathtaking every morning you wake up and it's blue sky and there's the harbor and the bridge and the opera house and you kind of go you know, it's another day in paradise, really, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, Bless you. yeah, we're, 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 we're very, very lucky to be here. Well,
0: I I think I'll speak on behalf of everyone. I, I'm right chuffed for you. I, I really am. You're, you're a wonderful actor. You, and you deserve to have a, a lovely life. Well, that's very kind of you to <laughs> no, say, Ollie. Yeah, it's a pleasure. And thank you ever so much for doing this. And, and something Not we, at all. The, um, the listeners of this like to do is support a charity of the interviewee's choice. Is
1: there anything you'd like the listeners to donate a couple of quid to if they can? Well, as, it, as it's a UK podcast, I'll probably say the Actors Benevolent Fund. Because as I was mentioning earlier on, there are a lot of actors who haven't been maybe as fortunate as I've been or, or some of my colleagues you know, from the bill. So for those old, old boys and girls, maybe Actors Benevolent Fund
0: lovely, I'll pop a link when this goes live, Beautiful. and to 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 sum up, what is your message to fans of George Garfield,
1: fans of Bill, fans of you? Well, my message is, firstly, thanks for listening to the podcast, but um, thanks for the, supporting the show all those years ago, and I know a lot of you continue to love it, and that it's very evocative for a lot of people, I have to say that, you know, it was possibly the greatest 10 years of my life, in terms of you know, friendships and that you know, last lifetime. So thank you for watching.
0: My huge thanks to the legendary Hugh Higginson for sharing his fantastic memories of a decade on the bill and playing one of the most beloved characters in the Bills' rich history. You can follow the great man on Twitter, at Hugh Higginson, and you can also follow the wonderfully talented Hannah Waterman, at Waterman. Hugh's nominated charity, the Actors Benevolent Fund, was founded in 1882 by Sir Henry Irving, The fund supports actors and stage managers experiencing hardship owing to illness, injury or old age. You can find out more and make a donation by visiting actorsbenevolentfund.co.uk I hope you all enjoyed the podcast. Um, There's a few patrons who have been supporting the podcast and are, are getting a sneak peek ...at listening to this wonderful interview with you. I'm really grateful to them. And to say thank you to the Inspector and Chief Super Patrons... ...I'll hand over to an old friend... ...the one and only Mr Ben Payton. Hello, this is PC Ben Hayward himself, Ben Payton... ...and you have been listening to The Build Podcast. Co-produced by Paul Dunn... ...executive produced by Joseph Beaver... ...Daniel Christopher... Luke Hegarty, Justin Pitt, and Tom Sherrington. Produced and presented by Oliver Crocker. With special thanks to Hugh Higginson and Andrea Mason. Shameless plug time. For all the latest film reviews, visit BenPaytonReviews.com. That's BenPaytonReviews.com. What's that? BenPaytonReviews.com.